When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The island was so quiet. I could hear the wind blowing through the leaves of the trees that covered the land and the sound of the tide rolling over the small beach. But there were no animal sounds, no human sounds, just auditory emptiness. Every step I took sounded like a thunderous crunch disrupting the quiet. It reminded me of being at a funeral. There's no rule against functioning at regular volume, but there's this presence in the air that seems to mute sounds, leaving you with the feeling of being inappropriate if you speak above a whisper. When Daphne had told me she wanted us all to go check out a deserted island just off the coast, I had some mixed feelings. On the one hand, partying on an island sounded like a lot of fun. On the other, probably a great place to get tetanus. So I was hesitant. Daphne had anticipated that, which was why she made sure to tell me over and over that Ted would also be coming. So, of course, I said yes, like the young, dumb and in love person that I am. Ted rode in front of me on the boat to the island, and I couldn't help sneaking glances at his rugged profile catching the sun on the horizon. A halo of sea spray, making him seem to glow. We'd pick him up from his internship at Douglas Motors, and on the way over, he'd changed out of the mechanics uniform he hated so much and into surf shorts and a polo that screamed, I'm a bro. I'd have detested that in anyone else, but on him, I'd have found a paper bag fedora attractive. I was so smitten it hurt. Leo and George rode in the front of the boat, because, of course, they were sitting together. I'd try not to take my single lady angst out on everyone, but they were still giggly and always holding hands, and they'd just had their one-year anniversary. It really feels inappropriate for them to be so happy in their relationship while I'm still sleeping alone. I mean, seriously. But obviously my jealousy is only on the surface. George has been in our friend group since middle school, and he's never been happier than since he's been with Leo. We've all met Leo a number of times, but this is our first big trip with him. I think he's nervous but he hides it under his academic attitude and posture. Ted was sitting next to Daphne, who was the one who started this whole adventure. Daphne is working on her engineering degree and is super serious 90% of the time. Her lighter side comes out when it comes to going on crazy adventures. Exploring an abandoned island is so much up her alley. And I have to admit, we've been on some really cool trips that I wouldn't have gone on if she hadn't pushed me out of my comfort zone. She was a born leader, and took the reins of our group without hesitation or disagreement. She was our benevolent ruler. I was sitting next to Syl. Syl and I are roommates. While I'm at school or internships all day, she works from home during the day and takes care of our puppy, Thaddeus. Weird name for a dog, I know. Syl works at the local strip club Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights, and manages her OnlyFans page the rest of the time. I didn't know indie porn was an industry before I met Syl, but she has a great head for business and is more financially stable than I am. 
more than I ever will be with the student loan debt I'm carrying. I love makeup, but this time at school for makeup artistry is really going to need to pay off well in the future if I'm going to survive when the student loan people come knocking. The boat ride was pretty short, about half an hour on an old speedboat we had rented for the day. Daphne kept looking at me and nodding in Ted's direction, desperate for me to finally make a move. But it was hard to do too much chatting over the engine noise. It wouldn't land quite the same if I screamed, I like you, Ted, with an undertone of diesel engine. I was biding my time and totally not stalling at all. There was a small dock on the island, but it looked half rotted away. We tied the boat to it before very gingerly climbing onto the dock and walking over to the island one at a time. I slipped, clambering onto the dock, and Ted caught me by the arm. We paused for a second like that, looking at each other, and it made the whole trip worthwhile. Um, you gonna get over to the island so I can get out of this boat? He asked. Oh, shit, yeah, going, I said all in one breath. I scrambled down the dock and onto the island. Besides being crazy quiet, the island was an awesome picnic spot. It was so peaceful, far enough from the bustle of the bigger cities that you couldn't hear all the boat traffic, and the weather was fantastic, a gentle breeze making the warm sun pleasant rather than overbearing. With time, we got over trying to whisper to each other, and shortly after that we were laughing and caterwauling like usual. Leo brought some wine, which I'm sure helped. It was fancy wine left over from a showing at the art gallery he interns at, but none of us were wine connoisseurs. We just liked the buzz. After some food, some wine, and a fair bit of flirting, we started wandering around the island. I was hoping to get Ted alone somewhere so we could talk, but it seemed like right as we were about to, someone would come tramping through. It wasn't that big of an island, I suppose. After a few hours of tramping about, we decided to head back to the boat. On the way over, though, Daphne stumbled and yelped. Damn, I smacked my toes on that bush, she said. She was grimacing and holding her foot. Are you okay? Leo asked. Instead of answering, Daphne's eyes got larger. She shuffled over to the bush and started moving branches of it out of the way. What's up? I asked her. I saw some metal under the bush. I think that might be what I stubbed my toe on. My mind went back to my tetanus concerns from when Daphne had first suggested the island trip, but Daphne dug under the bush and I saw the metal she was talking about. George went over to help Daphne clear away the dirt that was covering the metal, and it was a surprisingly thin layer. It seemed like this metal had been covered relatively recently. Perhaps the wind had been slowly blowing dirt over it. The pair kept brushing away dirt and exposing more metal. Ted joined in the removal. As the three worked, a large metal rectangle began to appear. It was George who found the handle. What the hell? He mumbled. From my perspective, I could see it better than the three who were on top of the metal and removing dirt. It's a door, I said. Holy shit, Daphne said. This is bizarre, Syl said, nodding. George, Ted, move off the door. We have to check this out, Daphne said, excited. The pair moved off the door, but there were a number of incredulous looks going around the group. I decided to be the voice of reason. Look, Daph, this is super weird and everything, and I know that's totally up your alley, but this seems sketchy at best. There could be all sorts of venomous spiders and snakes and stuff in there. Not to mention the risk of cutting yourself on rusted metal, 
or falling through a weak floor and breaking a leg. This seems like a really bad idea. Please, Daphne said. Let's just open the door. We don't have to go in, but let's at least see what's inside. No one said anything. Come on, just one peek. That's all. Everyone looked at each other before Syl finally stepped up. All right, wild girl. I'll help you open this door. We take one look inside, then we head back on the boat. Daphne smiled and nodded. Together, the two of them grabbed the handle and began to pull. It was heavy. George ran in and put his hands under it, pushing while they pulled. Finally, once the door had passed the 90-degree mark, Daphne and Syl jumped out of the way, and with a final shove from George, the door swung over and slammed onto the ground. Dirt flew up into the air, and the metal in the door reverberated, disorienting everyone for a moment. When the air cleared, Daphne was the first one over to the open entryway in the ground. She pulled out her cell phone, turned on its flashlight, and directed it inside. It was anticlimactic. The cell phone illuminated a set of stone steps that led down, but whatever was at their base was beyond the range of the light. Huh, Daphne said. It pretty much summed it up. Look, she added. I know we said we wouldn't go in, but only seeing stairs is so unsatisfying. Look at them. They're made of stone or concrete or something, so it's not like they're rusted out and going to break off. Let's creep down a bit and look. Seriously, how can we just stop when all we see are stairs? I kinda get what she's saying, said Syl. That door was heavy as shit. I want more of a reward than this. Now I'm curious too. I hated to admit it, but I agreed with them. I nodded my head, and Daphne grinned. Perhaps it was their enthusiasm rubbing off on me, or maybe it was just natural curiosity, but I was riddled with the need to know what lay at the bottom of the stairs. Screw it. Let's go, said George. Leo nodded, although it wasn't enthusiastic, and Ted grunted his assent. But we be careful. Everyone has lights on. Don't touch any bugs or snakes, and definitely no metal. If anyone sees live wires, we get out immediately. Okay? Everyone nodded. Thanks for staying level-headed, Daphne said with real gratitude. Now let's go exploring. The stairs went down what felt like about 10 or 15 feet before reaching a landing, then turned and went down in the opposite direction. It was like a set of stairs from an office or an apartment building had been sunk down underground. Moving past the first landing felt a bit scary, as we couldn't see the door anymore after that. But with the whole group together and all of our lights flashing on our cell phones turned on, it wasn't terribly dark. We went down three flights of stairs before we reached a larger landing. We walked out into it, and as our lights moved through the room, we were able to see outlines of a large room. There were computer consoles and screens on one side of the room, with the door on the right side wall. The left side wall had stacks of boxes alongside it. We walked into the room, splitting up a bit as we explored different parts of the room. Ted had gone towards the computer consoles, and I tagged along with him. The computer towers had a thin layer of dust on them, and when I blew on them, a cloud puffed up into the air. I waved my hand in the air to try and disperse it. Ted was wiping dust away from the fan vents and pressing buttons on the front of one of the towers. With a low whir, the light on the front came on and one of the screens came on. Hey, what you got running over there? George asked. He and Leo came walking over. The boxes are just a bunch of supplies, tools, 
PVC, zip ties, that sort of thing, pretty boring. Using the hem of his shirt, Ted wiped the dust from the screen. A logo I wasn't familiar with popped up on the screen, followed by the boot-up menu. It wasn't the usual desktop layout I was used to, but a command screen. Daphne and Syl came over to see what was going on. The door over there was locked. There isn't a handle or anything, but there's a keypad. Doesn't seem to be active. What you got there, Ted? Syl said. Thought I'd explore a little on here, see if we can learn anything before we take off. I guess the curiosity got to me too, he said with a laugh. The command screen was pretty basic. Black background with grayish-white text. All it said was, enter command prompt. Ted stared at it for a minute, then typed in, run. A string of text ran down the screen faster than the human eye could follow. Tons of subcommands and file destinations flew by. As the process continued, the lights in the room kicked on. A fan in the corner of the room started to slowly oscillate, and the other screens flickered on, showing camera images of empty gray concrete rooms. A creaking sound came from the stairwell, and everyone turned around to look at it. What's that? asked Leo. Then came a massive metallic thud. Was that the door? Syl yelled. Stay here, I'll go check, George said, running off. Not without me, Leo added, already following him. The pair took off up the stairs. I was looking around the room again, taking in all the details now that they had been fully illuminated, when I noticed a single string of words had appeared on the screen. I nudged Ted, who was still standing next to me, and pointed to the words. Welcome to the compound. The challenges are being prepared. The door will open when it is time for you to begin. What does that even mean? asked Ted. We showed Daphne and Syl, but before we could begin talking it out, George and Leo came back, panting from their run up and down the stairs. The door is locked, Leo said through hard breaths. Felt like it was bolted in place, said George. We showed them the message. What challenges? asked Daphne. Can you type in questions and ask? said Syl. Rather than answer, Ted started typing. What challenges? he typed. More words began to run across the screen. You will find out soon. They are designed to test you mentally, emotionally, and socially. If you fail, you will not leave the compound. If you succeed, you can continue on your journey. All contests will be recorded for eventual distribution. Videos may be edited for length. I don't even know what to ask about next. This is so messed up, Leo said. What if we don't participate in the challenges? Syl asked. Ted typed the question in. Then you will be taken to our termination facilities. Your body will be processed to see if your meat serves further purposes. Dark, I said nervously, trying to counter my own anxiety with some understated humor. It didn't work. More words appeared on the screen. The challenges are ready. The door will open momentarily. Go through the door and reach the first two challenges. Stay here and you will be transported to the termination facilities. With the grumble of stone sliding against stone, the doors on the right wall slid into a recess in the wall. The room beyond was dark at first, but overhead lights crackled on a quiet hum. I guess... I began before hesitating. We gotta give it a go, Syl said. I don't want to find out what these termination facilities are. She took a deep breath, then walked through the doorway. Damn it, Daphne muttered. 
She followed Syl into the next room. The rest of the group started to walk through. I brought up the rear, with Ted right in front of me. Hey, Ted? I asked. He looked back at me and smiled for me to continue. Look, this is super sketchy, and maybe this isn't the best time to say it, but I want to tell you just in case this goes totally awful. Ted stopped, walking, and turned around. I know, Beth. You've been shyly flirting with me all day. It wasn't subtle. He said, laughing. Can I kiss you? I... Wait, for real? Is that a yes? He asked. Well, yeah, of course, I said. Ted leaned over and kissed me. It was gentle and soft, but not short. When he pulled away, I felt my cheeks flush. After we get through this, let's plan our first date, Ted said, grinning. All I could do was nod. Ted reached over, gave my hand an encouraging squeeze, and then headed through the door. I followed. Right after I entered the room, the door grated shut behind me. Inside the room, there were six seats set in front of six monitors. The only available one was on the far left next to Daphne. Everyone else was already sitting, except Ted, who was headed to the seat between Leo and Syl. I sat down, and Daphne leaned over to me. I'm so scared, I think I might pee my pants if something startles me. But that doesn't mean I missed what just happened. She gave me a high five. I laughed. The lights dimmed and the monitors turned on. Across each one ran the same words. Welcome to the first challenge. There will be two challenges. Make it through both to leave the compound. All challenges must be completed through typing as the microphone system is down. The first challenge is called Truth or Dare. You must select either truth or dare on your screen by typing in the word. If you select truth, you will be asked a question. If our scan of all of your records determines you are lying, you will be sent to the termination facilities. If you select dare, you will be given a task, fail to complete the task, and you will be sent to the termination facilities. You will go in order from left to right, and all screens will show all text. You will not be allowed to type when it isn't your turn. If we see you speaking aloud on camera, you will be sent to the termination facilities. The challenge begins in 30 seconds. We all looked at each other. No one wanted to say anything because of the threat of the termination facilities, but I could hear George whimpering down the line. I reached my hand out to Daphne and she took it. We both squeezed, desperate for reassurance. The long block of text shifted up and new rods appeared. Contest one, truth or dare. The prompt had said left to right and I was stuck in the far left chair. I was contestant one. I let go of Daphne and shaking hands and jittering fingers typed in truth. What do you feel guiltiest about? I didn't have to think. The memories came flooding back. The words of kindness, the soft touches, feeling terrified, the pain, the threats, how he shoved a sock in my mouth so if I screamed, no one would hear me. Not reporting my dad for what he did to me, I typed. Why is that something you feel guiltiest about? I took a deep breath before typing again. Because when I got too old for him, he started hurting my sister instead. I could feel the tightness in my throat as a saw broke out of me. My dad had just been convicted and sentenced last year. It was still so raw. Tears ran down my face 
I had to blink them away to make the new words that appeared on the screen less blurry. Contest one has passed this challenge. I looked over at the rest of the group. There were smiles, but also sad eyes full of sympathy. Only some of them knew. Contestant two, truth or dare. It was Daphne's turn. She typed, and on my screen I saw the word dare appeared. Slap contestant six in the face as hard as you can. Left to right, we were arranged in this order. Me, Daphne, George, Leo, Ted, and Syl. So, Syl was contestant six. Daphne needed to go slap her. Daphne froze in her chair. I looked over at her, only to see her staring at the screen and softly shaking her head. I nudged her, and she looked up at me. She didn't have a choice. She needed to go do it. On shaky legs, Daphne stood up. She walked down the line to where Syl was sitting and looked her in the eyes. Syl nodded and took a deep breath. Tears running down her face, Daphne put her hand back and then slapped Syl. The smack of flesh on flesh cracked like a whip and Syl almost fell out of her chair. She kept her head hung down and a dribble of blood dripped a few times onto the floor. Daphne didn't move, just stared at Syl slowly. Syl righted herself and sat back up. There was a red handprint on her face and her lip was split, still oozing blood. Her eyes were full of tears. Daphne broke. It seemed like she couldn't stop herself. Oh, Syl, I'm so sorry, she wailed, hugging her. I could hear Ted and Leo shushing her, but it was too late. Hopefully, whoever was watching this had missed the slip-up. Daphne squeezed Syl one last time, then went back to her chair. New words streamed onto the screen. Contestant 2 has completed this challenge. I breathed a sigh of relief until more words appeared. Contestant 2 has violated the no-speaking rules and will be sent to the termination facilities. I looked over at Daphne, and she looked back at me, terrified. There was a strained silence. I started to reach over to her. There was a roar, like a giant vacuum. Suddenly, Daphne was gone. The hole had opened up beneath her chair, and a great jet of air sucked Daphne and her chair straight down into it. I heard her scream, piercing the roar of rushing air until it was cut off by a panel sliding in place over the hole. George, seated on the other side of Daphne, screamed Daphne and jumped as if he was trying to catch her before she was sucked down. But it was far too late. He landed with a thump on the covered hole. The cover quickly opened up again, and with a roar, George was sucked into the hole as well. I saw Leo jump up, but Ted tackled him and wrapped both hands over his mouth, holding in his screams. The cover of the hole slid shut again. Leo stopped struggling and patted Ted's arm. He let go, and they both went back to their seats. I was in shock. Two of my friends had just been ripped away from me in a matter of seconds. I saw movement out of the corner of my eye and turned to look. It was more words on the screen. Contestant three 
has violated the no-speaking rules and will be sent to the termination facilities. I could hear Leo moan, but he didn't say anything. Contestant four, truth or dare? Contestant three had been George, who wasn't here to participate. Contestant four was Leo. How was Leo going to get through this without breaking down, with his boyfriend taken away like that? I saw him sob as he reached out to type. Truth. How many times did you cheat on your boyfriend? Leo gasped and began sobbing. He cried and cried while Ted did his best to calm him down. Finally, Leo reached out his hands and typed, once. Why? I was scared. George is the first man I've dated. I came out to my family and my friends. They told me I was living in a sinful life. My spirituality has always meant so much to me. And here were the people who helped support me in my beliefs, telling me I was going to hell for being with a man. I was so terrified because I couldn't win. I came out after I'd been with George for six months. I knew I loved him. I was horrified to live a life without him, but I was also terrified of hell. So when one of my friends kept pushing at me one night, telling me if I just had sex with the woman who knew how to give a man the night of his life, I'd realize what I was missing. I did it. I had sex with her. I was almost hoping she was right, that we'd have sex and I'd realize I loved women and I wouldn't go to hell. But I cried the entire time we were together. I hated it. It felt so wrong. I never told George. I didn't want him to hate me. Contestant 4 has completed this challenge. Leo kept sobbing. Contestant 5, truth or dare? Ted nodded to himself, then started typing, dare. Break Contestant 4's finger. I watched Ted's face. His eyes were huge. He slowly turned and looked at Leo. I could see Ted shaking his head. Leo took a deep breath and nodded, holding out his hand. Ted stretched his hands out and took one of Leo's fingers in them. Ted was taking a bunch of deep breaths, trying to hype himself up. But then he shook his head again and let go. He just shook his head at Leo. Without hesitation, Leo reached out, grabbed Ted's hand, and wrapped it around his pinky finger. Holding it in place tightly, Leo wrenched his hand sideways. There was a snapping sound, like a stick breaking under a foot, and Leo screamed through clamped lips. Ted looked horrified. I wanted to speak soothing words, but all I could do was go over and give them both a hug. Syl did the same. We stayed this way until I noticed more words on the screen. Contestant 5 has completed this challenge. We all made our way back to our seats, knowing what was coming next. Contestant 6, truth or dare? Truth, still typed. What's the most traumatizing thing that has ever happened to you? Syl shook her head, but immediately started typing. The last guy I went on a few dates with apparently started dating me because he thought since I was a stripper, I must be easy. But that's bullshit. He tried to rape me. Tell us more details. 
Sil growled. I get it. Who wants to share their trauma with strangers? We were in his car, making out. He started trying to pull my clothes off, but I shut that down. I don't need a public indecency ticket, so no car sex. But he didn't care. When I kept pushing him away, he punched me in the head. I was dazed. And he started tearing my clothes off, literally tore them. Having a thong ripped straight up until it tears is an exceptionally painful experience. I had bleeding tears in my ass from the friction. But before he could do anything, I was able to dig my mace out of my purse, blasted that asshole in the eyes, and when he screamed, I shot the rest into his mouth. He had to go to the hospital. His throat closed up and he almost died. He deserved it. Being a sex worker doesn't mean it's okay to rape me. So fuck him. I was shocked. I hadn't heard about this before. I knew Syl had dealt with some scum in the past, but this was awful. I got up and gave her a hug. While I was hugging her, I saw words appear on her screen. Contestant 6 has completed this challenge. Syl and I kept looking at her screen, and Ted and Leo huddled around us, watching as well. More instructions were coming. Please move to the next room. The door will open momentarily. The lights came back up, and a door tucked in the corner where I hadn't seen it slid open. The four of us stood up and walked over. Ted grabbed my hand on the way, and I held on desperately. The next room had four raised platforms, each sitting on thick cylinders with a set of stairs taking you onto them. On each screen was a keyboard. Assuming it was a similar system to the last room, each of us stepped up onto a different platform. Once I got up there, I had a bit of vertigo. I'm not a huge fan of height, and the platforms were about six feet above the rest of the floor. I closed my eyes for a second and grabbed onto the keyboard for balance. Deep breaths. I opened my eyes again and looked at the other platforms. Everyone had taken their position. I looked down at my screen. Welcome to the second challenge. This is the final challenge. Make it through to leave the compound. All challenges must be completed through typing, as a microphone system is down. This second challenge is called Election. You will be given one sentence of information about each of you. After reading all four sentences, you must vote which person should be sent to the termination facilities. The person with the most votes will be sent to the termination facilities. Failure to vote will result in being sent to the termination facilities. If we see you speaking aloud on camera, you will be sent to the termination facilities. The challenge begins in 30 seconds. I looked up at each of my friends on the pedestals. Leo, who I was still getting to know, but who made George, poor George, so happy. Ted, who I could see myself having a future with. Syl, who had been my friend for over a decade and who inspired me by her willingness to not be afraid or ashamed of who she was or what she did. How could I do this? But it was too late. The sentences were appearing on my screen. Someone A stole $100 from a friend. Someone B kissed their best friend's dad. Someone C 
cheated on a final exam and let someone else get expelled for it. Someone D left someone bleeding in an alley. You have 15 seconds to vote. I glanced up in shock. 15 seconds? These were my friends. I knew I was someone B. It was an awkward thing where I wasn't paying attention. Thought I was standing next to my then boyfriend and kissed him, only to realize it was my boyfriend's dad, who was also his sister's dad, obviously, and his sister was my best friend at the time. Were all the rest of these like that too? Misunderstandings? I didn't have time to debate. At least eight seconds had to have passed. I scanned the sentences again. Bleeding in an ally seemed worst. I typed in D. A few seconds later, there was a ding. More words appeared on the screen. Voting is now closed. Someone C did not vote and will be sent to the termination facilities. There was the roar of air again. I looked up at my friends just in time to see the platform below Sill open up. She was sucked down and the platform closed again. She hadn't even screamed. Still hadn't voted. Now I felt like a coward, voting for one of my friends to die. More text on the screen. Someone D received the most votes. Someone D will be sent to the termination facilities. No, no, please, it, it wasn't like that. Leo screamed. He tried to run off his platform, but before he could, he opened up and sucked him down. It was just me and Ted. I started to leave my platform, but I saw Ted shaking his head and pointing at the screen. I looked over at it. One final round of election. Someone A stole $100 from a friend. Someone B kissed their best friend's dad. You have 15 seconds to vote. I looked up at Ted. He smiled at me and nodded. Then he put his hands down to his sides. Ted wasn't going to vote. I wasn't really surprised. He had always been so selfless. But I was scared. I typed in someone A. I didn't look up. I knew I wouldn't be able to bear the hurt on Ted's face. There was a ding. Voting is now closed. Someone A received the most votes. Someone A will be sent to the termination facilities. I couldn't help it. I looked up. Ted was crying. He looked at me and waved. And then he was sucked down and disappeared from my sight. I started sobbing. But through my tears, I could see more words on the screen. Congratulations. You have made it through the challenges. You are welcome to leave. Before you do, know that we have all your information. If you tell anyone about what happened, we will kill your entire family. A boat is waiting to take you to the mainland. Through the haze of tears and horror, I stumbled down from my platform and through a newly opened door. At the beach, there was a fancy-looking boat with an enclosed cabin. I got on and tried the cabin door, but it was locked. The boat started up and took me back to shore. A week later, and I hadn't left my apartment, hadn't gone to classes, hadn't gone to work, but I didn't care. I was barely eating. I had no idea how I was going to get my life back together. As I sat on the couch for a third straight day, I heard my phone start vibrating. It happened periodically, but this time it didn't stop. It just kept buzzing nonstop. Finally irritated, I grabbed it. 
I had a message from an unknown number. I opened it and gasped. It was a picture of my friends. Leo, George, Syl, Daphne, and Ted, together in a dingy concrete room. There was a text below it. Your friends are awaiting termination, but you can win their lives. It's time for round two. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're listening on Spotify, don't forget to hit that follow button to get notified every time a new episode is released. Also, please take a second to leave a rating for the podcast. This is so important to help the podcast grow. Thank you.